Hey everybody, the 18th edition of the Clint Fosley podcast and welcome. Today it's one that's entitled A Woman's Perspective of a Man's World with Dr. Cassie Klein. This was a fascinating conversation with Cassie and really got the brain juices flowing from my perspective. We really went all over the place here, talked about all the various issues sort of facing men today. We started off just looking, as always, to Cassie's background, how she chose to study to a doctor, and then the the focus towards more holistic health and holistic healing, as well as mental health. Cassie, you then realized in the industry that for men specifically, there's not much out there. So started an initiative or a movement called Blokes in Mind. I just want to, yeah, this is really, really one of those conversations where I sat with, I've pondered so many of the points afterwards. And and Cassie is one super intelligent woman who really, as I alluded to earlier on, got my brain ticking over and I found it an absolutely amazing conversation, and I sure you will as well. Bottom line from this podcast, if you're struggling, please ask for help. It's okay to ask for help, man. Um, if you need it, it's there. From a from a Clint Fosley perspective, we have all our programs here set to help you up. So go to clintfosley.com forward slash help me, and we are happy to help you and get you all the way on to a wonderful life. I really hope you enjoy this one, and I want to thank Cassie again so much for her time. I know whatever she puts her hands to, she will have all the success in the world. So strap in, enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody, welcome back and welcome to the 18th edition of the Clint Forsloop podcast entitled A Woman's Perspective of a Man's World with Dr. Cassie Klein. Mm. Cassie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I love these podcasts in terms of trying to figure out what women want. I think there was a Mel Gibson movie Probably. about this, all right? All very uh, controversial. <laughs> yes, how's, how's your day been? We've got coffee here. Yeah, good. Ready? Ready to, to take action? Ready to take action. Um, so just uh, Cassie's uh, started an initiative called Blokes in Mind, um, really focusing on men's mental health, and we obviously get down that rabbit hole in a bit. So generally, we always start off, well, I always start off um, backstory. Yeah. So how, how did you, because, you know, for, for us layman's, after your six years, one year into it, can you become like a GP, a general practitioner or, no, or, or, or how does that work? It's different to South Africa. In South yeah. Africa, you can um, go straight into to general practice. Here, it's actually a degree. So it's actually like a specialty. Oh, wow. So you have to do, you know, a few years of residency yep. um, and then you apply for the training program and then you go out and you train as a GP for, I think it's three three or four years. Yeah. If you want to be a rural GP, it's like an, an extra two years because you're, you're considered almost a physician level so it's, it's oh, actually sure. really specialized yeah, that's crazy so yeah. so i mean yeah. once again you've studied for six years yeah and you can't actually work yet besides the internship or yeah well you, you you're working and you're, and you're making money but i think in, in medicine you never you never stop learn, learning <laughs> no. and you think you reach this platform of like becoming a consultant and even within consultancy there's this learning process and hierarchy so it's, you're just learning forever <laughs> I, I, my background's tech right so yeah. what was trendy last year is now what doesn't you don't use that anymore it's, it's exhausting always learning <laughs> and there are always these smarter kids coming up and you're like, oh, uh, no. I've got so much more energy and I know they're smarter than me. <laughs> I'll just use my experience card here. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So then when you decided to go the mental health path, where did that lead you from? A, can you just open the door? Sorry, my puppy. Harvey, seriously? 
He wants in on the podcast. <laughs> the dog's in the podcast now. Um, so, so when you decided to do the mental health thing, what did that mean from a sort of an education perspective? Which way did you go? Um, so then I applied to get on to, to, to gain a registrar position. So registrar yeah. is like a training psychiatrist um, and you, uh, you go through a set of interviews and, and if, if they accept you, then the following year you'll start training. Um, and essentially that's doing a, a role with, high responsibilities um under the psychiatrists and you work in the wherever the wards or yeah or that and you and you start training so you can um start learning uh, but on top of that you can you can be in a registrar position but not necessarily be on the training program so that's another because that's then applying to the general college of psychiatrists yeah and so that for me that was six months after i started just working on the ward yeah. as a registrar um and then that's you know you do an interview and an exam and, and then once you're in that it's about a five-year training training program that's nuts it's it's a long way and what what happened if you had changed your path out of school and gone for a psychology degree? Would it have been that just those five years? No, so psychology isn't um, isn't medicine. Um, so psychology is a separate degree. So I think it's I think it's three or four years. Yeah. Um, and and you you become a, a master in psychology, yeah. or uh, you can you can then become a doctor. I think I'm not entirely sure. So you become a doctor of psychology, but it's not the medical. So you, you don't actually learn medicine so it's not the clinical psychologist so you can diagnose is that the differentiator or between a psychiatrist and a psychologist, psychologist yeah yeah so psychologists will do sort of the um the, the well i would say talk therapy, talk therapy yeah. yeah and and the psychiatrist will be sort of an overseer for for maybe like you know all the different things that we could do for a patient like psychologist or an ot or you know home mm. support and then be able to prescribe Okay. Um, so that's the biggest difference is the... the so you can prescribe. prescribe. Yeah. yeah. See, the, the, my, my GP won't give me... Uh, you probably know him. He lives down the road for you. <laughs> I've, been, I've been begging him for Adderall for years. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> he won't give it to me. Oh. Yeah. There's that... There's that uh, which is... It's, a, it's, a, it's an internal joke. <laughs> but there's that um, Netflix docker called Take My Pills. Oh, yeah. And about how everyone's plugged into the Matrix. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, Ray, I want to do that. And he said, have you seen the end? I said, no, no, I didn't watch the end. And that's, like, <laughs> that's when, all, when all the side effects come through. That's how I want to be productive. <laughs> Good shit to do, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I hope this isn't some underlying means of getting Adderall, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. No, no, I'm... Uh, I would never... Yeah, I'm good now. Um, so just a little inside joke I have to throw in, in case, he, in case he listens to it. Uh, so where... So you have you done that now as well? Have you done those five years? Or no, where, I haven't. No, okay, so, so where are so you in the I, journey? Well, I, I did um, a year and a half on the training program. Yeah. Um, and, and that was up here on the sunny coast. No, it? so so for that, I actually moved around a fair bit. Well, I was on the Sunshine Coast initially. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Rockhampton for a while. Um, and then I decided I needed a bit of a break and, and change things up. So I started locoming. So that's yeah. when you just do random positions. Um, and then you just get sent wherever. And that's, you earn good money that way as do. well. Yeah, 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 you earn, earn mm. good money and you have a bit more flexibility. And um, so I went to Wagga Wagga, which is very rural, uh, New South Wales. <laughs> that is, a, is actually a place. <laughs> it is a place. So Aussie, Wagga Wagga. <laughs> it's so Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and a place called Mackay. And I went to Newcastle. Mackay must have been because um, that's a big sort of fly and fly out town. It is, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so sort of a lot of mining regions. Mining, well. yeah. Um, and Newcastle as well. So and, and each place has its own little, you know, system. So that was that was interesting. And how long were each of those locums? Um, they were um, anywhere between four and six weeks, and then okay. I had to have a you know a few weeks off. But during that time, I was sort of working out what I wanted to do because I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to become a psychiatrist. You know, it's a long it's a long road, and yeah. a big commitment. Um, and sort of in those breaks, I thought, well, there were some things that frustrated me a little bit about um, psychiatry and sort of the limits of what 
what we could do and and often it was it was you know catching people when they really hit rock bottom um you know which is obviously a safety net that we need but I also felt that there wasn't much that we were doing I think for patients in terms of you know it's 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 people are well and it's not like overnight they just become unwell there's a process of of you know deteriorating and I just felt there wasn't much that we were doing in terms of keeping people well or catching people before they hit rock bottom yeah and psychiatrists sort of come in when you know, it's dire state. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that I found was, was a bit frustrating and, and in terms of, you know, the other services out there. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to do something or, you know, more meaningful, I guess, to do something uh, to help people that haven't hit rock bottom yet yeah. and um, and to, to maybe get more people to have help other than just, you know, the mental health units. And yeah, so, so I started, I started my own thing um, in that time. And, and how long ago was that? And so that was, well, I actually started um, something at the sort of beginning um, of last year. Yeah. Um, but I've recently changed. And um, so I started, it was just... <laughs> Who would rebrand? We, I, <laughs> I know, we all do. <laughs> that was something called um, um, called Our Mind. And it was just, yeah. it was using, so I, during my, my time, I so during my time locuming, I also did um, lifestyle medicine physician. Okay. Um, so what does that mean? So lifestyle medicine is, is essentially using preventative lifestyle non-pharmacological measures to help uh, essentially any chronic diseases. So it's anything from diabetes and heart disease, but yeah. also a huge mental health component. So what we can do for depression and anxiety that are perhaps, um, you know, lifestyle based. So yeah. anything, it includes psychology. It includes, you know, exercise, meditation, gut health. So food. Yeah, food. Exactly. I'm actually busy listening to the audiobook Grain Brain at the moment. Oh, yes. Yep, yeah, I've heard of it. Yep, yeah, yeah, which is all about, you know, people obviously with diabetes, but also the... It focuses very much on the mental health, Alzheimer's perspective yeah. due to the low-fat diet. That's yep. a huge yeah, – it's just – it's, it's fascinating. I, I love that stuff. I probably I don't have the the appetite to study, but I probably should because I'm so fascinated by the body as well. So. And that's where all the research is going. And that's yeah. the amazing thing with lifestyle medicine is actually it's it's there's a very heavy sort of um, – research focus at the moment on these on saying okay what else can help because we haven't really figured it all out so what else is there what's happening why are things getting worse what is it about our lifestyle so there's this massive sort of blooming of research stuff but and yet I, i feel like you know the public don't really have that sort of direct access to this kind of knowledge and so you know there's ways and means of getting out of it but yeah you know we're not even psychiatrists, then they're not really, you know, sitting there, you know, saying oh, all these other stuff that, you know, they don't have time. And, and obviously it's a very different system. So is there a way that, you know, let's create a conspiracy theory podcast on oh, the dear. pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> in America. I'm not allowed to say anything. Yeah, you, I, I can say what I'm an accountant. Yeah. Right? I can say what I want. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I go to the US a, a couple times a year and I'm just fascinated with the amount of medication that my friends take, right? It's just, mm. it's such a, it freaks me out. It's very, it's very, um, well, I think because the medical system is very diagnostic heavy. Yeah. So it's sort of like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to put things into categories because that's going to make the system work better and, and that's going to make our work better and, yep. and hopefully it'll make you better too. So we're going to put you into this diagnosis and, but we can't just leave it there. We have to then extract the diagnosis and, and, and solve it because yep. it's a problem to be solved. Yeah. And what better way to solve it than with the pill? Because, you know, well, it's monetizable, but also it's a quick fix thing. It's a tangible yeah, it's a tangible thing. thing. Exactly yeah. right. It's, yeah. it's measurable. So, yep. um, and that, that's just how the medical field is sort of, you know, transformed. Um, yep. I think things need to change, but it's very difficult because I think, you know, how do you monetize prevention? 
it's very difficult. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, let's, let's just, I'm going to get on my soapbox here, but, you know, let's let's put money into real food, whole foods, you mm. know. Let's just change it up. Just, let's flip it on its head and yeah. everything yeah. everything will sort itself out. Yeah. It's bizarre, but anyway. It's, well, that's the lifestyle medicine, you know, yeah. movement. It's really a movement saying, you know, there's all this stuff we sh- could and should be doing and, and we're kind of fighting that. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and I think it'll be because of monetization. It's going to be a, mm. unless the new generation's coming through, we'll just say we're not going to put this crap into our body. Mm. Therefore, we're not going to accept it and, and flip the demand, right? Yeah. And, and it's a complex problem because you're trying to change big systems. But we can start with the little things. Yeah. Right? But that's it. Yeah. Big systems that are under politicians. Right, I'm going to stop. <laughs> the FDA is watching. Yeah, Don't careful. Get me you can see I've been watching a lot of documentaries during lockdown. <laughs> yeah. I've got all my, you know, I've got all my conspiracy the theories. Yeah. <laughs> the aliens are here. Anyway, um, so you obviously say, so you shifted, um, rebranded to yeah. Blokes in Mind. I did. Yeah. Um, so I guess... The reason I started what I started, you know, as, as a pretty resilient guy, mm. um, I was, you know, started a couple of years ago on a quest to put my life back together yeah. and realized there was nothing for guys, yes. like guy stuff, mm-hmm. right? And I know you also had the same calling. So, you just want to talk about that as well? Yeah, for sure. I think um, for me, it was frustrating. So, um, obviously, in, in my work, you know, we know mostly, I mean, if you just look at psychologists, 80% of you know, about 80% of the, the patients or the clients will be females. Yeah. Um, and then when you look at our admissions, you know, it's, if you put aside the psychopathological things like psychosis, generally depression and anxiety is predominantly females. That's diagnosed depression and anxiety. Yeah. Well, and I think globally, word, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and I think globally, it's something like, I, I might get this wrong, um, but if it's about 5% diagnosed depression for females and, and about 3% for males. But I think yeah. that's hugely underrepresented. I think um, generally it's just that men don't really talk about it. And I think it also, it manifests itself differently. I think men and and women may present depression differently. I think, um, you know, obviously there's there's variation there. Um, And obviously because of the stigma around it. So it's hugely underrepresented. And then I've had, you know, my own personal friends and family who've who've had it really rough. Yeah. And just seeing them trying to navigate the system has been... So, you know heartbreaking and, and very frustrating and I think you know more than that uh, if, if you can look anywhere on the online resources at posters that you know what we offer is 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 very much it feels like it's directed towards mostly females you know and and well in terms of what's really available for for men or what speaks to men you know in in, in, in men's language um, is just there's just not that much yeah and it's frustrating. Bothers me then, bothers me now. <laughs> well, I mean, it, yeah, and, and it bothers because I, I had to go on a quest. Yeah. You know, on a quest, and and I and I think, I mean, you've grown up in Australia and South Africa. That's most like as a manly man, right? Very like much, that's the yeah. stigma, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I still I still remember back in South Africa when when I first found out about you know my marriage falling apart the first time. I I for the first time in my life I didn't know what to do. Yeah, I had, I had no fucking idea, and I was distinctly I was driving along the M3 motorway, which you would know, going from Nurtuk to Rondebosch yeah. on there, and I and I pulled over the car and broke down, and I didn't know what to do, and I phoned my mom, and I said I, I don't know what to do, like I, I need to go speak to someone, I need to go to a psychologist, I need to speak to someone, because actually, for the first time in my life, I don't have my plan. Yeah. You know what my mom's answer was to me? Yeah. He says you do not go speak to a psychologist. 
people who speak to psychologists are weak and you are not weak. Mm. That was the response. And that's how I grew up, right? Mm. I saw I went, thank God I went. But, yeah. but, but from a stigma perspective, and I know a lot of my friends around here who struggle with a South African, Australian, Canadian, American, it's that same thing. Yeah. Like we don't speak as a man, we don't go there. And that's quite extreme, you know, to have that, you know, to have that family pressure. And I think a lot of... And, and, you know, good on you for, for still going out and, yeah. and reaching out. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it takes those levels of desperation to say, all right, you know, um, this is this is scary, but it's, yeah. it's going to be scarier if things get worse. Well, it wasn't a Cowboys Don't Cry moment, right? For yeah. me, it was like, like I'm imploding. Yeah. And I've ne- I'd never had that my whole life. Yeah. You know, I'd had stress and pressure, but I've never had nowhere to turn. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, you know, and, 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 and I think maybe a lot of people, you know, hearing this say, oh, but... You know, I, I, I don't speak to, you know, my sons that way and, and we don't, you know, I never grew up with my mum or my dad saying these things to me. But yep. and, and, and perhaps on an individual or a teacher level, you know, we we don't. But I think, you know, do we offer the same sort of, you know, empathy and, and warm regard and all that unconditional regard to the men in our mm. world? And perhaps individually, yes. But I think as a society, we most emphatically do not. <laughs> no. And that's the that's Well, the that's thing. the pressures that are on men, right? We need Absolutely. to be bulletproof. We need to be all these things, yeah. to, you know, to everyone, which is something I really, really struggled with. And it, I don't know what it is with guys, but asking for help seems to be a really, really difficult thing to it do. Is. Yeah. But I think, I mean, and, and if we if we're saying, you know, that submissions of of or exposing your emotions or, or showing vulnerability, you know, right from when you were a kid, right yeah. in the playground. If if we're saying, you know, if we're teaching them to say, oh no, but men don't cry and and, and don't cry like a girl, and um, you know, you got to be strong, uh, you got to move on, yeah. you know, and 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 when times are tough, you got to be the strong one. And if we're sending that message um, right through you know, growing up. And then even so now with the messages we get through social media of what, you know, what would, how, you know, that sort of performance-based esteem. Yeah. Um, then to suddenly say, okay, I'm struggling. And to now say, all right, well, I've got to ask for help. You might think to yourself, well, you know, surely I should be strong enough. Yeah. You know, that's what I've been told. Or yeah. surely there's something then wrong with me to not be man enough to to get through this myself. And I think a lot of people you know, when experience that. It's, it's the, like I, I've, you know, got what well, I'm about to turn 45, got close friends around 50 mark. And there's a lot of guys need to speak to someone and they don't. Yeah. And, and the way I, the way I try coax them into doing it mm. is to say, well, you speak to your accountant once a quarter, right? To check yeah. in, mm-hmm. you know, you get your car serviced and you know, you got to sort yourself out. Mm. All you do is going to sit and have you Don't go to a psychologist, call it a sounding board. Yeah. Just, just let someone else who has no link to your family, no understanding, no bias towards feeling. Let just let them listen. Yeah, it's not going to hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have to often shove them into the door. But once mm. they're there, they're like, "Oh my god!" You know, it's a, it's a massive it's, release of your shoulders. Exactly, because it's it's interesting. You know, and men, you know, they don't have. Just to be clear, they don't have less. I, I, actually, I'll, I'll take it back to sort of you think of the the playground and, and you think of girls, right? If they're having a, a difficult time. Uh, or say they, you know, they have a young breakup and the girls are all crying. The girls are all packed together and yeah. they'll cry with you, essentially. You know, it's it's just expected and we're all together. <laughs> and then the guy goes through the same breakup and it's sort of like, ah, oh, you'll be right. And, uh, you know, plenty fish, than, fish in the sea. And so, and then they go home and have to deal with it themselves. Yeah. And then, you know, if we if we extrapolate that out, it's sort of like, well, how are you 
how are you going to step away from that? How are you going to, you know, make your own mind up in terms of going against that stigma? That's that's really really hard. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the, I mean, the amount of times when I got divorced, all my mates, you know, celebrated because I was single, mm. and they were like, "We'll go get drunk and join Tinder." Mm. It's like, what's the problem? Yeah. And and the thing is that I think you know, and I thought thought to myself, I think even as a kid, you think, "All right, well, there's these differences," and. And, and maybe there's there's two things you can think. Well, okay, well, either either guys don't have emotions, and we know that's not true. Although I think some females maybe do think that still. Um, or, you know, or they're keeping things to themselves, or they're taught to keep things to themselves. And now that's a problem because men don't have less emotions than females. They don't have less emotional needs. And, in fact, we know that from research studies. If we take men and we put them into, um, you know, empathy-demanding situations, yeah. like if they're, you know, put into custodial situations where they're the single caregiver um, or caretaker of their child or caretaker of the ill, um, they are equally as capable of being empathic as females. Yep. Um, and so the emotional palette is vast. It's not that they have less relational needs. Mm. It's just that they're sort of made to cover them up with a, you know, a screen of achievement or, you know, the societal expectation. Yeah. And, and speaking for myself, like being vulnerable was weak. Yeah. Like my, and, and that's, you know, my choices in life and who I put myself around, but just especially with my parents, like if I had emotional needs, if I spoke, if I ever spoke out, I was mm almost ridiculed in a mm, way. That's and so it's hard. and it's it's hard because I'm I mean I, I've got a rough exterior but I'm a softie at heart. Like yeah. those who know me know that, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm a very emotional person and for forty odd years that was just shoved down. Like mm. you're not you know, you're not allowed to to have needs mm. and have wants. Mm. You know, not from from a from a very core emotional yeah. perspective. No, if if you felt vulnerable in a situation, you would never say, Oh, you know, with one of your partners, do, you doing that makes me feel this way. Yeah. You'd never have, I w- or I would have never had that conversation mm-hmm. because, no, no, alpha male, alpha male, be this way, right? Yeah. It was, it was, it's, it's, really it's been one of my biggest, biggest growth areas mm. um, is saying it's okay. Yeah. You know. And, and that's the other thing I think people don't realize is we actually need to talk about our emotions. <sighs> and, you know, because essentially we actually we're just, we're social creatures. We're ingrained to connect and not just on a superficial level. Um, We actually self-regulate our own thoughts. So using other people. So say if you're having a thought and I'm feeling inadequate, right? I I feel pretty awful about myself and because I'm, you know, I'm not achieving. I'm pretty useless. Now, if you hang on to that idea and you're not talking about it, as we know, ideas grow. You know, we go round and round. It can become, become a habit. The rabbit hole. You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and to a point where we can internalize it to, mm-hmm. you know, who we are. But when we talk about it, then you, you say you go and sit with a mate and you say, you know what, mate, I just feel like I'm inadequate and I feel mm-hmm. like I'm not achieving it. And they go, oh, you know, that that, that sounds really hard, and but that's a bit ridiculous. You know, you've, you've done this and this and yeah. you're being a great dad and you're doing all these things. And, and that gives you the opportunity to go, oh, okay, well, maybe he's right. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm not that awful and, and maybe, you know, maybe I'll be all right and I'm, I'm not all that inadequate. And it actually helps you self-regulate your own For thoughts. Sure. And if we're not doing that, I think that's, you know, it's basically suffering in silence. It can lead to... It's brutal. Eh? Yeah. Like those dark, dark days Absolutely. is... is- when you and we all do it, right? When you go down what like I refer to as a rabbit hole, man, yeah. God, you just end up in you know, something happened when you were six, but yeah. you start somewhere insignificant and it's yeah. just Yeah. So here's a question. I'm assuming you're close to thirty somewhere around there. Yep, yep. Young and yes. <laughs> um so for me, 
I guess the question, is the stigma of cowboys don't cry, is it generational? Because I grew up in obviously a, you know, an alpha male South African environment mm. from the Aussie blokes that I know is pretty similar. Yeah. What's the new generation of guy coming through? Is it the same stigma that's just been passed on from generation to generation? Um, I think so to some degree, yeah, the stigma is still there, yeah. but it's, it is getting better. Absolutely, it's getting better because, you know, one, obviously, it, it is something that we're talking about. Um, so there's increased awareness. And I think, you know, sort of your generation and the generations prior just wasn't talked about. You wouldn't even dare talk about it. So how can you address something that's not being yeah. talked about? You know, whereas now, I think maybe that's the one benefit of things like social media. You know, people are putting things up and saying, you know, I'm struggling and I'm seeking help and that's all right. And someone else might see that and go, oh, okay, you know, maybe I'm not alone in this. Yeah. And, and so, so there is that movement and that change change but it it's taking a while and it will probably take a while obviously these mm -hmm. things don't change overnight but i think it's it is looking positive and i've definitely seen that with you know with the the patients that i've seen the younger ones are definitely more open a little bit more flexible um and not not that sort of determined to to maintain do not change yeah <laughs> so you know <laughs> so so it's good and and yeah a bit more open-minded which is, yeah. I think, a positive. Because I mean, even my kids in school, I mean, they're doing mindfulness stuff. They're doing yeah. breath work. Yeah. It's all, you know. That's like, brilliant. Oh, Dad, we're going to meditate. <laughs> I'm, like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I meditate every day. They're like, mm, <laughs> you know, or it's yeah. like, I, I'm huge into the breath work stuff as well. Yeah. And they're like, oh, Dad, this person came and they told, like, they did all this stuff around breath work. I'm like, yeah, I've been telling you that for like three years. Yeah. <laughs> as if they were going to listen no, to you. Of course they don't listen to you, right? <laughs> that's good. Well, that's, that's, I mean, yeah. that's a good, and, and from your What's your demographic from a client perspective? Are you seeing mainly sort of your peers, your younger, or is it is it all across the spectrum? Um, you mean for in for, the inpatient unit? Yeah. So because it's an inpatient unit, it's, it's very varied. It'll just be, yeah. you know, anyone who comes through who's sort of suicidal or, or unable to manage at home. Um, so it, it, it's completely random. It'll yeah. be, you know, men, women of all ages, really. Um, there's a separate, we have like an adolescent unit. So anyone up to the age of 18 will go into a separate unit. I've, I've done one um, sort of term in, in adolescence, but mostly I was just in the adult unit. So anything yeah. from 18 to, I don't know, maybe 60. That's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah. So you, you alluded to social, social media, and I know we spoke about it before we started recording. Um the good and the bads, right? Mm. Um, if, if if you want to get a message out, if you want to start a business from a laptop, you can. Yeah. Good, right? Yeah. Connect yeah. with people. Mm -hmm. COVID times, but maybe. It's COVID times, <laughs> yeah, too much time. I've, got, I've actually got a limit on my phone. Um, <laughs> just scrolling, you know, mindlessly yeah. doing nothing. Mm. Um, but to me, and especially having, you know, young kids and two daughters, just the pressure, man, the, the, the pressure of what perceived is normal. Now, for me... Yeah. Growing up, it was maybe, you know, the one person in your school that achieved everything and was like, you know, the smart person, the good, you know, that they were like one or two people that were just there. Yeah. Um, and that's all you kind of had to deal with from where I should be peer pressure perspective. Yeah. Kids these days and young people are seeing, you know, like these freaks of nature who are yeah. one in a billion who, you know, at 15 drive a Lambo and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What, what, what's your advice on that? I mean, because it really, really worries me as a parent. And I mean, I know you must, I'm assuming you know, get that feedback in your practice. What's your take on that? Yeah, it, it's hard because we're not biologically or evolutionarily designed to be so exposed to everything all the time. Yeah. We literally, and it's just exposure to society and, and it's 24 seven and it's literally in your pocket. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, the kind of information that we're meant to take in in a day is, is almost more than what we'd maybe 
experienced in a year, you know, a thousand or whatever years ago. So that that's a lot. And I think it's difficult because we are, we are naturally comparative creatures. So mm-hmm. we'll always place ourselves relative to the beings around us. That's how we, you know, define our role. And, and so, and so now rather than, you know, me comparing myself to you and, and the family and, and, you know, the people down the road, I'm comparing myself to absolutely everybody else. Now, the problem with that is psychologically, speaking and this goes particularly for for males because perhaps that idea of hierarchy is a bit more important is we we only compare across and up so we don't actually compare down yeah so that that means that if you're scrolling through and, and you're seeing like you know the really rich dude with the you know crazy 12 pack and 12 big pack muscles yeah. you know versus you know maybe one of your mates who's just like another average human being you're not even going to register your mate you're going to register the guy that's bigger and better and you're going to create that comparison yeah and then if you think of it well all right you could you could look at fifty thousand pictures of the guys that are billionaires and who've made it you know who are living the manly dream on the yacht and all mm. the girls and you know, the, the big muscles and, and they've made it or you could look at the billions of people that are just average human beings yeah. like you and I, who are we going to focus on? That's such an interesting correlation. Mm. It's so true though. It is true. And we're, so we're just, and, and, and also, I mean, social media, we know that. So we're going to be driving the things that are going to keep us hooked. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so, and, and when you look at the things that are valued for men, and I actually follow a lot of men's pages because it's, it's interesting from a psychology <laughs> point of view. <laughs> and Ooh, it's, oh, and it is good content. Yeah. It's great content. And it's all, you know, and it's all, it's actually all sort of perceived messages more messages of perceived power. I think in a yep. way it's sort of, you know, it's money, it's these sort of um, valued status symbols. Exactly, yeah, yeah. status and, and materialistic things. And all it does, and this is funny because even I've felt it, <laughs> mm. is it creates envy and inadequacy. So so if you're looking at those things, you're saying, well, well, you know, that that standard of masculinity that I'm measuring myself up against is so narrow and perfectionistic. Yep. Almost nobody measures up. Exactly right. Yeah. So you're always going to feel inadequate. Now, if you're scrolling through that, you know, that's fine if you look at it once a week. But we are spending hours, you know, sometimes like 8, 10, 12 hours scrolling through that. That's going to affect your psyche. That's going to affect your self-image. Well, that's 8 to 10 hours of feeling shit about yourself. Absolutely. Every day. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So it's, so it's impactful. And, and so I think it is, you know, it's one, it's being mindful of what you consume. Two, we know that these platforms are addictive. Yeah. You know, they're well, they're designed to way. be exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, so we have to learn. One, we have to learn to to shut out society. I think if we mm. we are to to maintain our well being, we have to consciously make the effort to completely shut off. I yeah. think that's really important. And to the level to which we do that depends, you know, on the individual. But also being mindful of what we're consuming and how it's making us feeling, how how it's making us feel. And I think that's hard. But, but just bringing awareness to that, you know, what we, what we consume is, is really important. So I think that's a great takeaway for anyone. Spend a day on, if you are on social media, just mm. look at your friends. Mm-hmm. Don't look at the, the yeah. ones with the blue tick next yeah. to them, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, that's... All those motivational things often end up actually making you feel Actually feel like an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. My life sucks, man. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great take, but I, you know, once again with... The amount of times I say off your phones to my kids mm-hmm. is crazy. Mm. 
Yeah, and Crazy. that's going to be the challenge of the, you know, it's already, you know, our generation, but can you imagine yeah. you know, the younger ones, it's going to be the challenge of the I know my yeah. nine-year-old's filming TikToks upstairs. <laughs> she should be homeschooling. No, actually, she is homeschooling, I promise you. I'm a responsible adult. Uh, no, she finished her schoolwork yesterday, so oh, she'll cool. be going surfing after this. Oh, so, nice, a day So she, all the homework's done so we can go surfing, which is good. That's positive reward. Okay, so let's get away from social media as much as I love and hate it. I hate it more than I love it. Um... Another question that you posed, which is a good one. Mm. How do you think relationships have changed in the modern day mm. and how this impacts men? That is such an interesting question and a controversial one. <laughs> I think, well, generally, if we look at relationships back in the day, mm. the traditional idea of a relationship, you'd meet someone through someone that you knew usually, yeah. you know, because you're in a village or something. And, uh, and then, you know, you'd like them, you'd spend some time with them. And then after a while, you know, you'd date and you'd get to know them and then you'd get married and you'd have kids. And that's sort of the idealistic traditional relationship. Yep. So now, now, uh, I think the modern man has, a, has a very different playing field, uh, to sort of overcome. And I think in that we still very much romanticize this idea of, of a traditional relationship. We still yeah. think, you know, I want, you know, I'm going to find the one and then it's going to, you know, it's happily ever after and it's kids and all of that. But the re the reality is it's, it's actually a very um, different world to navigate now yeah. than it was back then. Because what is it these days? Well, it's dating app dating apps you know and obviously there's there's you know other variations and, and there are traditional variations but generally nowadays we are so very exposed to society we're also overexposed to these you know means of of um communicating and and it's it's almost being monetized now to these dating. Yeah. so it's swipe left and swipe right yep and and now we know that naturally and and this has sort of always been the case women are and and so in these dating apps it's it's basically utilizing these um, these forms of societal expectation and exploiting them because what you're looking at is you're looking at the physical image, then maybe you'll get the career, the lifestyle, you image, know, yeah. yeah, the lifestyle image, and you know even the height, mm. which is you know it's actually quite derogatory. So um, so you'll be exposed to these things and you have to make a decision and it's sort of you know swipe left or swipe right. Now we know women are on first impression from an image perspective they're just they're more fussy than men. Yeah. So we we know that the women are swiping left most and then the occasionally they'll swipe right and we know with men it's actually the opposite they're swiping right most of the time and occasionally mm. left so 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 what does that mean it means your chance of rejection as a male is much higher yeah so and and if you get rejected again and again and again you know you're going to start becoming jaded you know and bitter you know how are you meant to find the one this is really confusing the other thing I think so, it's, and 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 the dating apps, you know, they know this, and we're yeah. play, they're playing to our insecurities. Of course, they are. So then, if you're, you know, if you're going through that phase, and I think, you know, particularly maybe for young males, twenties and thirties, they're looking, okay, well, I want someone to marry now. Now suddenly, the whole image thing, the whole societal expectation thing, is getting amplified yeah. within the need to find a relationship. So that's the one thing. The other thing is, it's actually it's too easy nowadays to not commit. Yeah. Because what's happening is, you know, you're swiping left or right. You say, say you match with someone, it's going well. You know, you, you go on a date, great, goes well. Go on a few more dates and you, and you start actually, you know, dating the person. A few weeks in, you have a disagreement. Now, I think the, this day and age, you know, we don't like disagreements. It's a bit irritating. It's actually maybe easier 
to just let this one go yeah. because I can just pull out my pocket and swipe right and I'll find the next best thing. And that it's maybe easier to do that than to actually work through the challenges yeah. of a relationship. What I think people don't realize is that any relationship needs challenge. We need to, to grow and, and yeah. to build a thing together, but it's too easy to not commit because it's just, it's just, it's just society. Yeah. And, and what do you think? Do you think that's the the FOMO thing or is just the walking away thing? So they're, they're, they're two, there's they're, two things. There are two takes yeah, there because yeah. like I, I always say this to anyone who's struggling in a marriage. I'm like, mm. fucking work it out, right? Mm. It's a hundred, like trust me, it's 300 times easier than getting divorced. Like put the effort in, right? Yeah. These days, no one fixes anything. Like no. if a toaster breaks, yeah. when I grew up, someone fixed it, right? Yeah. Now you just go buy new stuff. Yeah. Instant gratification. Mm-hmm. So there's that Quick where people don't work on stuff, right? Yeah. Firstly. Second thing is that when I go speak at all these tech conferences, all the marketers are the young 20 odds. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the FOMO, the fear of missing out phobia, or if we're at a bar and we're having fun, yeah. they can be there for maybe 20, 30 minutes yeah. and they're off somewhere else because there could be something better around yeah. the corner. Yeah. Guarantee they come back three hours later to the place where we were so hard yeah, to yeah. say like, oh, this is actually the right the place. Right. Yeah. But there's this, and I always make fun of them because they're always on their phones making, there could be a place that might oh, yeah. be 1% better. So yeah. two things, right? There's the fixing it and the FOMO thing. What, Absolutely. Do you want to talk about both of those? Well, yeah, I think like, so I was talking about the, the fixing thing. I think it is, it's just too easy to find the next best thing, best thing and you don't have to put much work into it. Yeah. So, so we're always, we're naturally, our brains take shortcuts. We want the easiest, quickest option. So, yeah. so it's definitely, and especially if you're someone who doesn't really like conflict, you know, if you can avoid that. That's great, you know. It's much easier to go on a new date than to have a have a fight with. You she know, was with crazy. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, if it's a really bad relationship, I'm not saying you should just fight to the yeah. end and, and never. But but FOMO, it's a huge thing. It's fear of missing out. And and again, I think it's that idea that we are overexposed to everything. So we've created this idea of idealized, romanticized male, and I think it goes the same for you know the idealized, romantic. Yeah female and, and what that looks like so we have this image it's sort of almost like a sacred image in my in our heads of like the one and you know there's just so many options so we can just go through all the options until we find the one and and, and what we'll end up doing is we'll we'll sort of have an idea of someone um we'll go on a date with them and you think oh you know maybe this is maybe this is that person you yeah. know maybe this is it and then you realize oh okay you start spotting flaws and insecurities or, or maybe you know oh, there, there's this thing that you do that i didn't really like that i didn't really sign up for and they don't fit the societal expectation and and now you're sort of stuck in a conundrum you know do you do you accept this lesser very much more real and human version of your idealized yeah. person or do you go back and keep swiping in the hope that maybe you'll come across this and and it is it's that fear of well there's just so many options we you know we're actually unhappy when we have to make more decisions you know decision making if we have more options we're more unhappy and we know this we put people in you know <laughs> in in like a position where there's all yeah. these cafes you know choose food like their mood drops it's very it's frustrating and even though all the options could be amazing yeah then if you just put them in front of one or maybe two cafes and you know it's the same kind of food chicken or just, fish right yeah, exactly <laughs> it's easier it's less stressful and it actually keeps us happier yeah. so now if we're in this constant sort of there's just so many options you know you you would less happy and probably because you you're worried that you you know you could you could have better maybe yeah. and that's quite addictive I'm, I'm sure it is, but I mean, I, I don't know if, if it's my age and I'm jaded, but just, you know, you, 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 you'd you want perfect, right? You want the yeah, white picket fence. That's what we all aspire for, yes. and that's what I, you, you'd, 
the podcast I recorded with my friend, you also got divorced. Is like that that failure is huge to come over because yeah. your your dream's gone. Exactly. Yeah. But it's just no one's perfect. No. And and we all have our warts. We yeah. all you know as much as we think we we've all got our shit that's going to yeah. annoy someone. And I think maybe back in the day it would have been obvious because we're all just humans. Yeah. And you kind of you move on. But but nowadays again with that that societal image of of the perfect boy and the perfect girl, which you know again is is Ken and Barbie. Yeah. Mm. It's and it's it's romanticized and it's it's sold. It's on every you know piece of marketing that you see. It's on all the posters. It's it's absolutely everywhere. And so so why wouldn't you have that idea in your mind of what it should be? Exactly. And that's the thing. We're, we're living in a world of should. You know, I should be making more money. I should have the perfect girlfriend. I should have the perfect family. I should, should, should. And guess what? You're human. So you're not matching all these ideals. And that's going to leave you with this constant feeling of... In in AFC, yeah. Exactly. Not a good space to live. No, it's hard. No. Yeah. Unless you can be aware of that. Well, exactly. That's why we're here, right? (laughs) Um, Okay. So just a question for me to back to your question is, is what do women truly expect from men today in terms of relationships? So Mm. as much as the, um, let me give you my perspective on that. Mm. I guess the pressures from a a man, right? You've got to, I guess, have a man bun. I don't have any hair, so that doesn't work. (laughs) Skinny jeans. You've got to have a Lambo. You've got to have a six pack. You've got to be spiritual. You've Mm. got to be a man. You've got to be, you know. Mm. It's, it's, and I'm sure women have the same pressures as well, trying to, you know, don't even make me say the Kardashians, but you know what I mean, you know. What are actually women looking for, to be mm. quite honest? I mean, just to, just to depressurize the men a bit. I think, um, I, and, and this is this is a difficult question, and I think it, it may throw up some, some dust, and I think everyone is individual in, in that way. Uh, but I think it is, again, it's, it's separating that sort of idea of societal expectation and, and what individual women want. So if you say, okay, well, let's, what does a woman want for, well, we'll say for a long-term relationship, because, yeah. you know, why would you invest in something short-term? So, all right, well, if you look at it, you know, what would you think? You know, what is social media telling us? Well, financial freedom and you know, a hot body, let's say. Hashtag la- so, laptop lifestyle. Exa- yeah, exactly. So so we'll we'll break those two down first just to just to understand them a bit better. So, you know, financial freedom. Well, firstly I think um, you know, to some degree now, um, you know, women are becoming more financially independent um, yeah. and empowering themselves that way. So so the pressure is definitely a bit less um, and I mean although you know it would be nice to have some financial support if a woman's looking to you know have a have a kid and and maybe you know financial support would be good in that regard but I think in terms of you know I think men expect <laughs> men okay. expect women I mean um, women expect men expect women to want exorbitant amounts of money. And I think that's not necessarily the case. So the reason being because, um, you know, someone having money, you know, solves only really one problem. It solves the money problem. But we know that, you know, life is more complex than that. And and you could generally, you know, let's say there's sort of four arenas of of life that are, and I think Naval Ravikant points towards these. So, um, you know, you have, you've got material possessions. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, money. You've got physical health. Um, you've got love or relationships, and then you've got sort of happiness or, or peace of mind. Yeah. So, you know, it might be great that you have, you know, money because it's absolving me of my responsibility for my own wealth creation. Um, but say, you know, you're someone who sits around at home all day and, um, you know, you're watching Netflix and um, you're eating junk food and smoking. That's not really going to be, you know, very positive for my own physical health because we know that, you know, the people yeah. that we surround ourselves influence our behaviors. 
Um, and likewise, you know, you might be someone who's, you know, very emotionally absent um, and, and not communicating, then we're not probably not going to have a very loving relationship. And likewise, you know, it might be that, you know, someone who's, um, you know, cheats all the time, just an awful person, yeah. then that's not going to make me very happy. So we actually consider all of these things. Um, and it's not just the money problem. It's, yeah. and, and it's not that, you know, we look at these things and we say, I expect you to, you know, to solve all of those problems. But I think it's, it's, you know, it takes two to party, you know, can you at least show me that we can work towards these problems together? Yeah. Um, and, you know, without putting a large expectation, I guess the point of that is saying it's not all about the money. Now, there's probably a lot of men out there going, that's BS, because a lot of women do just, you know, want the money. And and I would say I agree. I think there are women that, yeah. that, that are out there just looking for money. And my advice there would be don't go for those kind of women, because there's so much competition up there, because there'll always be men that have more money. Um, <laughs> it's true. There'll this. always be. So, so if you're looking for, for women, you know, who 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 are just going to go for you for the money yeah. that that's not going to serve you. And it, it really, it's not. And, uh, and then the other thing you could say, well, all right, you know, what, if, if it's not going to be about the money, then, you know, what, what is it? You know, I think, I, and this is, this goes for, for both sexes in a way. I think, you know, if, if someone has, if a guy has a general, an aim or a goal yeah. or something that he's moving towards that's really attractive now it doesn't matter what it is you know it could be something you're passionate any, about any passion literally yeah. anything why is that attractive i think because it shows me that you're willing to take on challenge in life yeah. and you know and and you know rather than sitting at home all, all day watching netflix if you're out there moving towards some goal it shows me that you know maybe you would be willing to work with me towards these kinds of challenges and overcome them um you know and 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 if you're willing to do that in your own life then that shows me that you might do that with me and i think that is very appealing and i think that in a way maybe takes a bit of pressure off the fact that it's not it's not an isolated thing it's not just the money or you know just the lamborghini or just that it's it's that if you can if you can show that you're willing to take on challenge you know and i think it's the same for females yeah. that in and of itself is appealing and then i think it's also being authentic so 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 do something that is i'm probably giving a long list no no I'm, no but i mean authenticity is so key right it's it just just key. just yeah. I mean, I, I and it took me a long time to do this. You, you can't be everything to anyone else. Just be no, you. You have to be. And if someone doesn't want to be with you, for you, then they're not going to be with you anyway. Exactly. You know, you could waste three, six, 12 months yeah. of your life trying to be someone else or trying to And they'll eventually someone, find out. But they're going to find out anyway. So, fuck it, what have you done with a yeah, year, right? Yeah. You've probably yeah. wasted a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort and a lot of heartbreak when all you need to be is you. And if you, you, you'll attract the right person. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's attractive. Being, because if you're authentic yeah. and you're kind of confident, it, it speaks to a kind of resourcefulness. And I think being authentic is important, again, because if you're trying to be like everybody else, there's too much competition out there. Yeah, <laughs> if yeah, you're, you know, yeah. you're, you're eliminating the competition by being yourself. And then the other thing is this, you know, obsession with the, the hot body. And this goes for both, you know, men and female. Yeah. For men, it's almost, I think the drive is almost, you know, if not coming to the same level that the drive that females have. And I think that's a new thing. Yeah. I don't think men used to have the same kind of physical pressures as they do now no there, there wasn't that pressure right? yeah. i think i think when you were and, and speaking from a south african perspective when yeah. you were a young buck you were you know you were just busy and active and you were yeah. put together but if you look at most the dad bods were prevalent right yeah yeah, yeah. now you know you, you see you scroll on instagram yeah. and they're like 40 olds with 12 packs yeah. and you're like yeah. 
Huh? And you know, that's, it, it takes, it's a, and I know this because I know a lot of my friends, it's hard work getting those six packs and women don't realize it. You know, for, for, for a guy, it is, it's almost much harder work to build that level of muscle than it is to lose weight as a female. And that's not to undermine, you know, any kind of weight issues, but it's true. And the thing is, was, you Sorry, know, sorry, Hugh Jackman. Put, <laughs> I mean, you know, Wolverine, come on. Yeah. But he, he put up a picture of himself and he said, this is after 10 years of chicken breasts and broccoli. <laughs> exactly. You know, the, the dedication that dedication. goes in. Dedication. Yes. Oh, and, man. And, and it goes, and you know what? And, and, and I think as well that speaks to maybe, you know, if, if there's a sense of in, inadequacy or, or problems with depression, it can manifest itself in these kinds of obsessionism. And the problem with that is that, um, you know, society rewards it. Yeah. Society rewards it. And that's, you know, that adds to it. Anyway, well, I guess what I was saying was, you know, this obsession with the, with the hot body, I think, I think healthy is attractive. Healthy, a healthy body is attractive for, for anyone. This goes for both sexes because it shows me one, you know, if I value who you are, then I want you to be around long enough to actually have a good time, you know, and, and it it speaks to a certain reproductive potential. That's just a a genetic genetic thing. thing, And it, it also says, you know, you're going to be around, you know, to help me look after my kids. So, so a health, healthiness is attractive. Um, but to the point where it's like, well, a perfect chiseled six pack again, not necessarily. And, yeah. and and I know it's personal preference and we generally, you know, I like to say that, you know, opposites attract in a way and, and we, we seek genetic variance in, in who we choose. But I know females who like guys that are a bit bigger. I know females that don't like the guy that's very, you know, that's as buff. And, and I know that, you know, it's, it is being jaded by, by the societal image. But I think a healthy body and that's not necessarily like the crazy six pack. It's yeah. just looking after your body yeah. is healthier. And it's more, it's almost more the fact that you're working to look, to look after your body is, is appealing. It's more the effort than the, the end it result is. rather. Yeah. And I think, and then, and then, you know, when we're looking, cause we're not looking just for short term relationships. I think physical attraction is really common. You know, you can walk down the street anywhere and be yeah. like that person's attractive. That physical connection is common. Mental connection is rare. And <laughs> so we're all kind of seeking that, I think woman is sort of emotional, mental, you know, and and that's you know. It's, I'm going to swear now, but I always say, I'm, I'm, I, for me, a partner needs to brain fuck me. Yeah, like blow my mind, yeah. right? You know, yeah. physically be attracted. I think it's key, but yeah. but just blow my mind. Yeah, like challenge me, make make me think, make me. Yeah, uh, which which is is a rare commodity. Yeah, um, it is. Well, that's the thing, and but but I think that's good as yeah. well because because that's what's going to you know draw the right people together you know because someone who will connect with you will not necessarily connect no. with someone else and and I think that's the rare beauty of relationships I think it's just harder to find and and there's there's just a it's it's more overwhelming these days with with all mm. you know the, the stuff that's overlaying these messages that we're getting yeah. so as part of my research and uh, no, I was listening to the uh, <laughs> careful uh, I, I, no I was listening to Mark Manson one of his I listened to tons of audiobooks. I drive my kids for five hours a day. Yeah. So I listen, I listen all the time. That's great. Um, he, he wrote a dating book actually called Models. Mm-hmm. And it was all about his strategy of dating for a man. It's just being authentic, being yourself. It's yeah. really refreshing. It was yeah. all based off uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert Glover, which is also a really, really good book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he said his favorite question for a first date mm. is he will ask someone his what 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 was I? What is your what what's what's your most favorite thing to do? Mm-hmm. And if that person goes ah, 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 and has a ditzy answer, or has a passion about oh I'm so obsessed with yeah. dog training yeah. or whatever it is, he will a see if there's a connection. Yeah. B he will understand the person has passion and purpose, yes. which for him is attractive. 
So Interesting. Automatically, yeah. it's just like a simple, like, what's your favorite thing to do on the earth? Yeah, yeah. I'll go off on a tangent for about three hours about the sea, right? Yeah. I mean, you'll yeah. lose me. Yeah. But but that's, I thought it was just, and I, I use that as a strategy. Like, what do you, what you know, what's your favorite thing to do? It is because, because in a way it says, well, well, cool, you've got drive and passion and that's great. And again, yeah. it comes to the, you know, we can overcome challenges and that's, it's really exciting. And maybe we can complement each other. If, if I'm really good at this thing and you're really good at that thing, then we're broadening our, our experience. And the other thing is also seeing, well, do we have common values? You know, if you're, if you're someone who's yeah. like, oh, I love watching Netflix all day and you, you love the outdoors, you might go, hmm, well, that's good to know early on because, you know, yeah. we are just not yeah. going to fit at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a FaceTime relationship. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm going to be at Double Island Point and you're going to be watching <laughs> yeah. Gilmore Girls and like- that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So let's, let's turn to a slightly darker topic, um, suicide mm-hmm. in men. Uh, I, I was meant to get the stats and I didn't. I'm so sorry. But I, I know the numbers are th- from what I understand for was it 15 to 25 for men you would probably know through the roof what's your take on on that and how can we how can we stop that yeah i think it's like the the 10th leading cause of death for men and the 23rd leading cause of death for females it's just an interesting way of looking at it It is crazy um yeah i think generally it's we know that you know suicide rates are sort of have been going up over the last sort of few generations and um you know, I think potentially also, well, we know that depression rates have been going up mm. and, and people are generally, you know, more unhappy. And, uh, well, we know there's a portion of that where we are also diagnosing more people, which 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 may be perceived yep. as a kind of good thing. Um, but I think definitely the pressures, as we've spoken about, of the societal expectations are, are stronger. Yeah. Um, so people are feeling, you know, that they, they're not measuring up. I think also particularly with with guys, I think this is an interesting thing. I think for guys it's quite important to to understand maybe a role or a purpose. For for females, biologically we've kind of been given a role or a purpose. And and that's not to undermine in any way if you know if you have career career goals or anything like that, but we know we, we have children. Yeah. So and and that that message is, you know, something that we've received right from from when we were kids. So so that's kind of like an innate goal and a purpose if you will um but with men they have to find kind of a purpose they have to find their drive and and find things that move them and and part of that is finding like a role or a position and if you look way back when you know maybe you're a shepherd you know and you you had a had a big farm and you had a bunch of sheep and you had your family you know you'd you'd go out for the day you'd, you'd you know, herd the sheep, you'd get them all where they needed to be, you know, you'd make sure you had food on the table and then you could go to bed that night, sleep well, knowing that you've done a good job and that you've ticked the box and that you've, you know, I've done my role for today. That'll make, that'll help you sleep easy. I think in this day and age, the, what defines a man's role is really very blurred because it's very hard to see you know what? What did I do well today? What 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 did I achieve relative to all everything else that's going on? You know how do I measure up against all these images that I'm seeing and 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 what should I be doing? I think it's with you know how we've all sort of conjoined in a way and, and melded society together. It's it's much more difficult to find 
an understanding of your position in your yeah. life. And I, and I think that that in a way makes it harder. And and, and, and then we know we are a much more performance-driven society. Yeah. You know, we, we have the much more career-driven, we're much more consumer-driven um, and much more materialistic-focused. So these things are going to increase the pressures. Um, and I think... And then also, you know, we can't um, deny the, the the biological influences. You know, I always I can drone on about lifestyle stuff, but but really our lifestyle really has changed. And and it's you know it's from yeah. the food, it's from the sitting, it's you know. And and I I almost like to think of it. I don't know. This has always helped me conceptualize it. If you want to combine the mind and body idea of, well, if you're feeling good. Think of the idea of, you know, feeling really free or, yeah. you know, um, then you feel very expanded. And when you're feeling anxious or uptight or awful, you feel contracted. And I think a lot of what we do makes us feel more contracted. Well, I think we're just, sitting just, like yeah, this. I mean, we're sitting on yeah. our phones all day. We're, yeah. we're anxiety producing information. So we're feeling contracted. And I think that combined with, you know, all the other the influences, is it's making it harder to stay mentally well. Um, and the, I mean, I still think the food is such a big food thing. Is huge. Uh, it's such huge. a huge. Yeah. My, my kids are going to have a, another chat this week again about it. But it's just, yeah, the more I read about it, and as yeah. you know, I'm a computer nerd accountant, yeah, right? It's yeah. just, it's, it's, and I know myself, if I'm eating bad, poor, badly, it's good English. Right? <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm eating poorly, yeah. um, that you just feel shit, right? You, you don't yeah. sleep well, you, mm. you, you got the brain fog and, and all that stuff. And at that, it's, it's all, you know, and part of what I've actually done with my divorce courses for men mm. is that, and I said, I've said this to you, it's all, you know, it's about finding, your, it's, a, it's a holistic approach in it a way. Is, it's like yeah. finding your passion. It's yeah. about breathing. It's about meditating. Yeah. It's about eating well. It's about yeah. training. It's about support structures and, yeah. infra- you know, there's so many different aspects yeah. rather than just the one thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think for me, that's, that's what I picked up these, all these pieces of information and collated them because mm. I realized it wasn't a, a, a pull. Uh, yeah. You know, yoga is not going to help me. No. It's going to it's going to be an enabler, but it's yoga with this, with that, with that, which all kind of combines into. The I like to think of it like a, a roof with many holes, right? and, and and you know you yeah. can you can match one, but it's still going to leak. So you have got to do your best to match as many as yeah. you can because we're complex. You know, we're yes, complex we mind body yeah. creatures. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so let's uh, help people. So your top three tips on how men can. I guess start finding themselves and, and, and get over the fear of breaking the stigma of asking for help. Yeah. What's some just some advice on that? Besides it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean, again and it's individual for each person. I think the first step um, would probably be, you know, accepting where you are. And and that may sound simple, but it's actually something we all really struggle with. Mm. You know, it's it's accepting if I'm struggling, like I'm feeling sad today, I'm feeling inadequate actually listening to that and it's it's also includes accepting the parts of you that you don't want to accept the parts of you that you beat yourself up for that you feel constantly guilty about because if you can come to a place of accepting that firstly you know no one can really hurt you in a way because you've come to the truth of who you are and secondly then you can actually do something about it and then asking yourself you know is it affecting my functioning? You know, if, if you're self-blaming or self-criticizing to the point where it's making you miserable, we've got to do something about it. So, you know, rather than just pretend it's not there. Yep. And I think that's actually the first and probably the hardest thing to do because humans are really good at evading how they feel, really good at it. So, you know, we've got to find ways of, of acknowledging the parts that even we don't want to acknowledge. And I think a lot of the guys I start speaking to, it's what I call the awareness phase. Yeah. 
where, yeah. you know, for so many years, guys shoved that down. Absolutely. And, and then it's like, oh, shit, it's, it's okay to speak about this. Absolutely. Everyone else also feels like this. Yeah. Um, it's okay. You know what I mean? It's it's that the, those aha light bulb moments yeah. where a lot of guys want to run and tell all their mates, like, oh, I've done this or I'm knowing about this. And yeah. But it's but it's 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 probably the most daunting, Absolutely. I would say, as a guy. It and is. scary. Very scary. But it's yeah. the most exhilarating part because you're like, oh, there are all these things that I can do to help fix me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm not alone. You're not going to acknowledge exactly. Yeah. The second thing I would say is um, just to just to acknowledge that we are social creatures. You know, we are biologically, psychologically, evolutionarily designed to bond and cooperate and to connect, and then to realize that most most humans are actually good-hearted and most people want to want to help and so it may seem scary you know to to approach someone for help but you may realize that you know once that you've done that the, the sort of the perception that you know the the feeling that maybe you've given up a small part of your dignity by opening up mm. if that's how you feel is definitely worth you feeling better in the long run and I think just knowing that we were born to connect, yep. we were made to do it. It's actually a natural part of our human human nature, and that it's actually not as scary as you think. Well, that's actually rolling back to the last podcast I recorded, talking about uh, a friend of mine who's a top surgeon, mm-hmm. and you know, it's that 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 having that mindset of there's no such thing as a stupid question. Absolutely. And 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 I've always done that in my tech business. You know, when I'm at like I don't ask a stupid question, but how exactly does that work? But yeah. but when you see people that you perceive to put on a pedestal, and for us, it's always been around professional athletes in the water. They like ninety nine point nine percent of the time they want to help. You know, yeah, as you said, like if you yeah. see someone that you're scared to ask for help or scared to ask a question, I can almost guarantee hand and heart, yeah. they would love to help you. Absolutely, like they've yeah. got to where they've got by helping people. Yeah, and it's you always feel you know who am I and I feel ashamed and I know you know even asking my now good friends for help when you ask for help it's it's just trust me people as want you said they want to yeah. help you yeah. know so so just yeah. ask. Ask for help and start. I mean, that's that's mm. my perspective. It's it's our perspective that we think that they'll judge us for it often. Exactly. But the, the, they were there at some stage as well, right? Yeah, we all exactly. Yeah. So we all come it. through that. And then lastly, I think it's 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 really comes down to examining your own thoughts. Our thoughts are very habitual, I think. Mm. And 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 when we talk about you know sort of negative self talk and if you're thinking you know I'm I'm this or I'm that, often what we don't realize is our self image or our self talk is actually in a way social programming. It's sort of, it's saying I should be a certain way. So, you know, if you're having thoughts like, oh, I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that, you know, you've got to ask yourself why? Why and is that true? Yeah. And, and you know, because then you can come around and say, well, is that really true or is it because I feel like I should be doing something? And you could sort of look at look at that sort of social expectation is like, well, I like to think of it as like noise. Mm. It's like noise and it's everywhere. It's in our pockets and it's in our heads. And if we can learn to quieten that noise, it's actually quite a peaceful place just being yourself in a, you know, to not sound too philosophical, but, but it's about examining your thoughts and being aware of them because then, you know, you can actually maybe do something about it. You might not be able to get rid of them, but if you can understand them and see them for what they really are rather than who you are, but maybe, you know, maybe that's, you know, stuff that society told you and, and maybe that doesn't serve you yeah. right now, then maybe you can find 
some mental freedom. I think that's what it's about. So here's a question on that, mm. on, on, on spending time alone. Because to me, spending time alone is so key. Yeah. Um, if, if, if you really want to do the inner work, right, and yeah. actually just just sit in quiet and yeah. with your own demons, mm-hmm. not sitting watching Netflix, but just be alone. Which, by the way, is very hard. Right? <laughs> it's, well, hence, hence the question, right, yeah. is because, you know, for me, I was like recovering. I was the ultimate, I was the distraction king, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'd kite surf for three hours yeah. and I'd be back home, mm-hmm. fuel up, and then I'd shoot up the mountain and then I'd be at someone else's house. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I was just running. Yep. Like I was running away from mm-hmm. being alone, right? Um, and, and then someone said to me, you need to start spending time alone. Yeah. You know, and I hated it mm-hmm. from a house that's, I mean, you've seen my kids are pretty boisterous, right? But coming from a generally a busy house yeah. to sitting by myself, not listening to the radio, not yes. reading another audio book, not doing, but just being alone. Mm-hmm. It was probably the most daunting thing I've done, but where most of my growth and kind of, so, so just any advice on, on doing that, on, on just being with yourself, mm-hmm. with your thoughts. It is hard mm-hmm. and, and most, many people will, will run from it. And, mm-hmm. and, and it is true that, you know, we, we tend to want to evade our emotions and whether it's, you know, keeping really busy or overworking or booze or overspending or there's many ways that we can, we can avoid ourselves. Mm-hmm. I don't um, order the above. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And most people. I'm don't. an overachiever. <laughs> yeah, well <done. laughs> um, but, but really coming, coming back to yourself is, is when we can start processing the things that we're avoiding because we can't really move through emotions and, and move through, you know, things that we need to need to go, go through if we're running from them. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens then is we, we hang on to them. Uh, you know, there's this term of bottling things up, but we really do. We can't process things that we're not allowing ourselves to yeah. process. And, and so sitting down and doing that work, it's kind of like, having an inbox of emails, you know, it's, it's, well, if you're going to ignore your email box and, and keep, you know, keeping yourself busy and not checking those numbers are going to creep up and yep. um, it's going to get pretty Can overwhelming. Sit on the, yeah. So the thing is now, if you sit down and start working through it, it's scary because you've got to start with email number one and then you kind of, and you, cause your mind will, you, you start processing it. And so that's the thing is when you sit down, it's like your mind is so busy. There is, there is so much going on. Yeah. And, and you, it's almost like you're checking through those emails. And and after a while, if you do that regularly, if you do that for, you know, I think some people say you do it for an hour for 60 days, which sounds obscene, but yeah. it sounds really hard. Eventually, things will quieten down because you'll have given yourself that time to process. In this day and age, you know, we are so attention scarce. I mean, attention is a finite resource because it's just being sucked in by social media and everything that's going on that we're not actually processing the stuff that we need to process and sitting down being in yourself is the only way to do it yeah it's it's the, i think there's that buddhist quote of if uh, you should meditate for 90 minutes a day and if you don't have the time you should meditate for four hours a day yeah or, or, some, <laughs> that's a good or something something along yeah, those lines but the attention span i mean like with, yeah. with the new courses we've just created like the first one had like 63 modules and everyone's, oh, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Like I had no to, <laughs> I want exactly. I had to like literally change the structure to be 12, 15 minutes a lesson. Otherwise yeah. I lost people. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, the content wasn't good. They were just, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and actually I get people to sign a sort of a, a, a accountability agreement before mm-hmm. they start the course. Like you are going to commit this time. Like yeah. you have to. Yeah. You must so, have to do that these days. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm pretty firm. And then yeah. I go, go to my, like a drill instructor mode. So just in terms of, and, and uh, just something that I know we didn't speak about before, but the whole subconscious conscious brain, which fascinates me. So yeah. my, my understanding as a layman, and, and I, I've 
Dr. Joe Dispenza is becoming supernatural. I don't know if you've read his stuff. Um, I haven't, no. Oh, it's really, really good. Okay, it's it's cool. cool. Yeah. For a layman's terms of what's going on in your brain. Yeah. You know, saying that sort of 95% of all our power lies in our subconscious and our and all the all our negative thoughts of the past are what he refers to stuck in neural pathways, almost mm-hmm. tattooed in our brain and how we're addicted to go through the 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 um the negative thoughts. What's your take on un- getting into that subconscious and releasing all that stuff from the past? That's that's really hard. And <laughs> and because we know that, you know, we don't actually know what conscience is. Yeah. We we haven't worked it out yet. And and that's there's a lot of research going into that. Um, you know, we can look at basic you know, neuroscience and that, but that doesn't understand what conscious actually means. Um, in a way, it's sort of, you could look at it like a platform where the things that I experience now and that I'm aware of um, is exists. And then your subconscious is kind of like the stuff that's going on below that, that I'm not thinking of. And, and that, you know, there's, there's a lot of habitual patterns of behavior mm. and, and things. And again, that's where your self-image, you know, sort of your, your idea of who you are and your own stories that you grew up with, you know, create the the map, so to speak, underneath where all of that is happening. And, and, and you're right. I think a lot of negative self-talk comes from your self-image, you know, things that mm-hmm. you grew up with. And I've got this idea about who I am. And, you know, I'm, someone once told me I was ugly and now I think I'm ugly and, you know, these kind of things. And then, you know, we'll, we'll create self-image of this idea that, that comes up to, to the conscious. Um, actually, you know, cause there's this whole idea that, well, maybe finding yourself is an unlearning of sorts, you know, it's, it's an undoing of sorts of these ideas that I've created of myself. Deprogramming. Yeah. Deprogramming in a way. And, and, and whether we can u- use our conscience to, you know, to sort of have a look in or see through the, the window to our subconscious and do the work down there, I, I really, I mean, I'm, I'm no professional in that, but I think there's ways and means where we can provide space perhaps to maybe listen, maybe rather than, than saying, can we directly change and manipulate? Can we start perhaps by listening to what, what's going on? Yeah. Because then we can maybe understand it better. And if we can understand it be- better, then maybe we can go back and start creating new patterns that are healthier. Yeah. Um, and, and I think certain things like meditation, you know, getting good sleep, um, all these, these things will definitely help with that and providing our own space. But I think maybe in terms of changing our narrative or changing parts of our subconscious is probably unique to the individual. So I think maybe something that would work for me might not work for you because we're just so different. Yes. And, you know, and, and how we even perceive and experience and process things is very different. Um, so I don't, that was a very, not a very, it's a straightforward answer for a <laughs> no, not a very straightforward it's, question. It's not a straightforward question. <laughs> yeah. But when you say how you perceive things as a shout out to my doc, Vian, he says, always says there's three sides to every story, right? <laughs> yeah. Your side, my side and the truth. Yeah, exactly. So, so how we perceive every event is different. Yeah. Um, and that comes down to your personality structure. Absolutely. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, so, um, coping mechanisms you mentioned meditation i swear by it it's, yeah. it's something that i believe kind of saved my life along the way uh breathing and all that other stuff just for guys who are feeling overwhelmed maybe having those panic attacks yeah what are some you hate the word quick fixes but what are some strategies or tips that you would yeah. besides going to speak to someone yeah. um what can people implement that can actually yeah. start you know start deburdening themselves from the stress um i think and again yeah these are you know not not sort of things that are going to fix much, but, but it is no quick fix. fix. But, but if you're feeling, I think, 
really overwhelmed. So I, I think everyone has this during the day. You'll have moments where, where things just, you know, get hard. Yeah. And, and where you're feeling really overwhelmed and there's dark thoughts and there's dark feelings. I think the first thing is to, again, acknowledge it. Don't just flick through TikTok, you know, actually saying, okay, you know what? I'm feeling, I'm feeling bad. You know, I'm, I'm really not feeling great. I need to do something about it. And then I think what, what, what is an interesting thing to try is sometimes to stop us from keeping going down the rabbit hole, sometimes we can shift our focus. Sometimes just, just changing our perspective, where we are, what we're doing, and or changing our energy can really help just do a slight turn and and i think that so rather than just sitting you know through tiktok or mm. on your own you know get up change your environment you know make some tea call a mate you know go for a run exercise is great exercise you know, key, and yeah. it really gives you that reset yeah. and i think just do something else and maybe you'll just get a slight shift in your emotions and then you can redirect your energy to something else yeah. for the rest of the day and and that may sound simple but but if you're really aware of it i think during the day you'll notice there'll be these parts where you know we we tend to get sucked down and into darker areas but everything comes in waves it's not often that we're in the darkest place all day you know and if that's the case then you really need Need a lot more help you know but but can we notice those periods when we slip down there can we maybe shift before you know we keep going down 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 can we do something it doesn't matter what it is just do something to shift that energy so that Maybe you're lessening that time yeah. where you're in that hole. So, so yeah. traffic was my rabbit hole yeah. killer. <laughs> you know, you stressed anyway, or you're in a yeah. stressed environment. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I, I, just a tip I use. I actually put this in all my courses as well. Is I, when you, because I was, you know, a you listening to a song that triggers a memory which sends you down another rabbit hole, yeah. and yeah. Then you, you know, you're frustrated because you're in traffic. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's when I used to have my worst dark moments. Yeah. And, the, and what are the strategy I use used to find the registration plate in front of me, mm-hmm. used to stare at that, read it like, you know, X, Y, Z, da, 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 and then just breathe. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you, 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 it's just that, as you said, it's that tiny little Shift. thing that kind of, yeah. you know, Eckhart brings you real, you know, brings you present. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, cool, thank God I'm not. But if you... <laughs> If you don't, man, it's like, yeah. you know, two hours of going Well, you can. You going can use somewhere. hours a week, actually, yeah. you know, going down areas where maybe you could have just changed your direction. And, I mean, we can talk about, like, breathing just quickly because yeah. it is, you know, and we fly through, you know, meditation. There, there are many different forms of meditation. You know, breathing is a form of meditation. You can have transcendental meditation, even yoga. Some people find running very meditative. And it's it's just about finding that, well, if, well, if ruminating, you know, often we say ruminating when we're thinking about negative things. It's either worrying, you know, thinking about negative things from the past or worrying about the future. That's called rumination. And it's yeah. actually part of the brain called the default mode network that gets us into that state. And so to avoid that, you know, meditation is confining us to the present so that we, we aren't stuck in thinking about the past or the future. We're just in the here and now. Mm-hmm. And it's just spending those few minutes a day that gives us a reprieve. But I think that the thing is with, with meditation or with breathing is that it's not just about sitting there for, for five or 10 minutes or 20 minutes, you know, trying to focus. Because meditation is actually really hard, mm. which is why a lot of people don't do it. And I've got a hack for that. Yeah. I'll tell you <laughs> but, but <laughs> threw money at the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but doing it regularly yeah. is where the real benefit comes. And we know the benefit from, you know, sleep and anxiety to mood to everything. There's, there's lots of things, but, but, but a really powerful thing with that is that what meditation, regular meditation does, it down-regulates the default mode network in your brain. So it reduces the activity of that part of your brain that's getting you to think about all that negative stuff. So it's actually like growing a muscle over time. 
But the trick is to do it regularly. And that's why you got to find something that works for you so that you actually do it. So I, so I, uh, a friend of mine put me in touch with this. I think it's a Canadian company called Holosync. Uh-huh. So they use uh, stereo audio mm-hmm. to bring you down to a beta and theta state. Oh, interesting. Automatically. So you don't, I mean, you can imagine me sitting still. It doesn't work. Doesn't, <laughs> it's hard. That's doesn't work really very hard, well. Yeah. Right? Whereas this, it's, 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 you kind of start in different levels and then you can actually start recording your own affirmations mm-hmm. that they encode, which kind of, takes your brain to that monk meditative state, yeah. but it doesn't mm. take that, um, you know, yeah. which I could never do. Well, that's the thing. It's yeah. finding, you know, what works. And that works for me. It's, it's, it's an amazing, it's, it's, and I, and I've said this to him, it's that, that saved my life. Like yeah. when I, I was delivering a keynote somewhere and I came off stage and I was, I was scattered. I was all over the yeah. place. And he said, just, I just listened to this. And yeah. literally like a month later, I was a different person. Wow. And I listened, I fall asleep with it every single night. That's incredible. Like every night. But also, for guys, you don't want to sit there and go, um, you yeah. know, there's like, there's Headspace, there's Calm, there's various, there's an app for it. Yeah. But just your thought on on, on activity and exercise, right? Because for, for me, is it's so important for the brain, just, yeah. you know, for the you know, the endorphins and, and being out in the sunshine. But often when I'm surfing or foiling now, which is my latest addiction, mm. is you're almost in a meditative state as well. Yeah. Because you're so present and so focused. Yeah. So that could be for you for a pickup game of basketball or golf with your mates that's also another form, right? If you can find that. Yeah. And I, that's the thing with, with exercise. So, so obviously, you know, independently, you know, it's the feel good hormones. It, it does a bunch of anti-inflammatory things. It makes you feel really good. Yeah. Um, and that helps you shift your mood. Um, and also boost your self-esteem, which is, which is a good one. But the thing with like what you're describing from a meditative state is that that's actually quite individual to the person. Mm. So if I'm going to, if I can find a sport that, that challenges me but that's equally as rewarding i might get into that state where where, where I, i'm out of my own head it's like that state of flow yeah, yeah. so a lot of people get it with surfing a lot of people get it you know things like skiing or rock climbing and those are extreme versions but if you can find a sport that you find you know and it's naturally quite addictive then yeah. if it's that so if you can find an exercise that you enjoy you know and that gets you out of your head then that's going to be really positive and it's going to reinforce it. You're going to yeah. want to do it again rather than, so a lot of people think, oh, exercise, I'm going to go and slog it out at the gym or I'm going to run. If you hate running, don't run. <laughs> There's so many things you can do. Yeah, and exactly. it's exactly about finding that thing that, that gets you into that. that Which comes know, back to play. Like we've forgotten to play. Yeah, we have. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just lucky that, you know, what I love to do is so much fun, but yeah. it's, you know, it's hugely, it's massive exercise. Yeah, it is. But you're just happy, right? You're exhausted. You're happy. You've been in that flow state. Well, sometimes, um, yeah. but but yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, so sh- let's wrap things up. Yeah. Anything else we should talk about? No, I think I think that that pretty much covered everything. That was good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, so, blokes in mind, yeah. your new venture. What, what, what's what are the plans? What are the hopes or dreams for that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's obviously early days. Yeah. Um, but I'm just looking to to get a, a platform out there where I bring out sort of you know, my insights and, and what I've learned from the psychology and, and the evidence in neuroscience and, um, and, and just to, to get that information out there. And um, at the moment, we are working on um, getting a free re- resource out there that's going to help people through a re- young men through a relationship breakup. Yeah. Um, so keep an eye out on our um, Instagram and Facebook page as blokes in mind for that. That'll be rolling out soon. Um, and then, you know, we'll just be diving into things like, you know, masculinity and lifestyle factors and um a bunch of things really so so it's it's an exciting journey and we'll see where where we're going to take it but uh yeah 
Brilliant. And are you are you going to consult one on one, or is it just sort of purely online? Um, how's that going? Yeah, not not at the moment yeah. doing the consulting one on one for for time constraints. But so at the moment it'll all just be online. Okay, brilliant. Um, but you know, a lot of things will probably change <laughs> as, as, as they always as, do. As, <laughs> as you would to, know. Tomorrow, now I'm doing consulting. Yeah, <laughs> rebranding. So where people can find you? Insta, Facebook, website yeah. coming soon. I think Web, website's coming soon. Yeah. Um, but for now, um, Instagram's probably the best place. Um, but Facebook as well. So either of those. And shout out. To, we always love to chat. So um, if you want to send us a message or, or a yell out, that's that's yeah, cool. I DM stalked her story. <laughs> uh, so any closing thoughts, comments for guys? Uh, Ray of hope. Yeah. We all, we're both going up to Noosa separately. I'm taking my kids surfing ladder yeah, to spend a, a day in paradise. So <laughs> some, some, uh, some, uh, I guess a ray of light for those guys out there. Um, look, I think, I think anyone who's really struggling or if you know someone who's struggling, it's, it's imperative to, to reach out and, yeah. and you can start with someone that you just trust. Um, and I think it is scary. It's scary reaching out. Um, but we can always get braver. And, and I think, you know, reaching out is probably the bravest thing that we can do and, and there's absolutely nothing weak about it and and once you do you realize that it's not as scary as you thought mm-hmm. um and i think i think that's there's hope in that you know yeah. and, and and things are changing and uh and it really it's only it's only uphill from there so brilliant well thank you so much for your time i really appreciate the keep the doing what you're doing you too and uh, have a good day <laughs> cool. cheers everyone cheers. bye <laughs>